The last month we have been studying an Old Testament book, the last book, in fact, of the Old Testament, the book of Malachi. And, and this was written by a prophet who was commissioned by God with one purpose in mind. And we've been talking about that the last few weeks. We've been seeing how, how it was Malachi's goal, it was God's goal through Malachi to establish or reestablish standards of excellence amongst God's people. In Malachi's day, people were spiritually heading in the wrong direction in their spiritual commitments, in their marriage and family relationships, in their money management and their morals. And so as we've seen these last few weeks, God has appointed this pretty straight-talking guy who doesn't mince any words, a guy by the name of Malachi, whose name literally in Hebrew means my messenger. God sent him to be his messenger to challenge God's people to live up to God's standards in a variety of areas of their life. And over these last weeks, we've talked about our relationship with God. We've talked about our relationship with our children and with friends and in marriages. And uh, today, as we pick up our study where we left off last week, we come to a topic that I have to be honest with you and admit and say this is a very difficult topic for us as pastors to speak about. You see, the area of our finances and our money is, a, is probably one of the most intensely personal areas of your life and mine, and, and we don't like people meddling around in it. So I want to say this morning, if you feel like I'm meddling, don't blame me, blame God. He's the one that wrote this, okay? <laughs> and, uh, but now, seriously, uh, obviously, this is a, an important aspect of our life. And uh, in fact, I don't know if you know this, but the scripture speaks about money and our possessions and how we manage it, what we do with it. It speaks about that topic more than any other single topic in all of Scripture. And uh, so this morning, as we uh, hear God's word for our lives, I want to just preface this by saying I am so glad to be in a church where so many people are giving so generously. I know that many of you are giving sacrificially and and, uh, and and that is to God's glory. And uh, we give thanks for that. But uh, we also have, as we uh, come across our study of Malachi, this text that speaks to us about giving God our best financially. And so as we prepare to hear God's word for your life and mine in this today, let's bow for a moment of prayer. Father, we give you thanks and praise for all that you have blessed us with. Most of all, we thank you for our relationship with you that comes to us because you gave your best, your son, Jesus Christ, on our behalf. And now as we hear your word that challenges us to consider the area of life that regards our finances, Lord, would you give us ears to hear and eyes to see what it is you want to say to us today in Jesus' name. Amen. 32 years ago, Vanessa and I moved into our first apartment after we were married. And shortly after that, we went to Maine to celebrate Christmas with our families. And and when we returned to that apartment, we discovered that thieves had broken in and had stolen a bunch of our stuff. I got to be honest with you and say that at that time, I felt really violated. I thought to myself, who would do something like this? Who Who would be so self-centered, so uncaring? And and really, I thought, who would be so evil as to do this? 
And I, I mention this today because we are looking at a part of the Old Testament book of Malachi uh, at, where the prophet discusses a pretty unusual victim of thievery. Malachi opens the discussion in chapter 3 uh, by asking the people, as we just heard uh, Jennifer read, uh, something along the lines of, hey, who is the last person that you would expect to get robbed? God, right? <laughs> And then he answers that question, and, and, and that's kind of what he's asking when he says, will a person rob God? And then he answers that when he says, you are robbing him. And the people go, but, but how are we robbing him? And Malachi says, you're robbing him in the area of your tithes and offerings. In other words, what Malachi was saying to God's people at that time was, you're not giving the tithe, but the tenth of your income to to the ministry of the faith family that you're part of here at the temple. And, and you're not giving your offerings over and above that tithe to minister to the poor and the needy. And, and so God is sending Malachi into that context to tell the people that they are robbing him. And then through Malachi, God goes on to say some other things that we just saw a few moments ago. And, and let's look again at verses 10 through 12, where, where the prophet says this. Bring all the tithes into the storehouse so that there'll be enough food in my temple. If you do, says the Lord Almighty, I will open the windows of heaven for you. I will pour out a blessing so great you won't have room enough to take it in. Try it, he says. Let me prove it to you. Some of your translations as you're following along might say, test me in this. And then verses 11 through 12. Your crops will be abundant. For I will guard them from insects and disease. Your grapes will not shrivel before they are ripe, says the Lord Almighty. Then all nations will call you blessed. For your land will be such a delight, says the Lord Almighty. Now, in, under, in order for us to understand the context of what's going on here, we need to know that, that hundreds of years prior to writing this, God had spelled out for his people how it is that they were to manage their money and, and, and how they were to handle their money. God gave some guidelines, and we don't have time today to look at all the scriptures that speak about that. If we did, we could look at the Proverbs. We could look at a number of Old Testament principles. And uh, as New Testament Christians, we could even look at the New Testament and see some of those principles. But, but if you put them all together, basically what the Bible tells us in regard to our management of money is that, that God wants us, first of all, to earn money ethically. Earn money ethically. No schemes, no corruption, no backdoor deals, no gray areas. Earn a lot of money, God says, but earn it ethically. And then secondly, God would say, spend money wisely. Don't be foolish or careless with the spending of your money. Be sure to avoid destructive debt. And then some other principles he shares are, are give money generously to the poor so that we can help to meet their needs. And God also says we are to tithe. He says as a part of the overall money management practices, I'm establishing the practice of tithing. Now, the word tithe literally means a, a tenth part. It, it means 10%. And so the idea behind the practice that God was setting up for his people is that, that we should take 10% of whatever increase uh, we experience as people. And, and his people are to take that to the place where they worship and, and give it to God as a symbol of their gratefulness for all that God has given to them. And, and then a secondary purpose of the tithe uh, was a way to support the ministry uh, of the place where they worshiped. And, and God says we're to do that. And then he says over and above all that, we're to give as well generously to ministries 
that meet the needs of the poor and the needy. And for a long time before Malachi, God's people carried out God's guidelines. They managed their money. uh, They kept their finances under control. They stayed out of debt. They gave to the poor. And they brought the full tithe into God's house to honor him for the way he was blessing their life and and for his graciousness to them. And as a result, uh, the temple ministries were provided for and adequately resourced. The needs of the poor were met and everybody won as the people who gave were also blessed. But as time went on, if we read through the story of the Old Testament, we see that, that, that the standards of financial excellence had fallen on hard times amongst God's people. And by Malachi's day, men and women are not honoring God with their resources. They're making some unwise financial decisions. And oftentimes they're deciding to make up for their financial foolishness by reducing, and in some cases not giving at all, the tithes that God has called them to give to him. For example, someone in Malachi's day uh, might have hopped on their camel and gone down to the local shopping market and picked up some stuff for the house and, and the family and the kids and, and they got carried away and they overspent their budget. Imagine that. It happens even then. You know. And uh, on their way home, they thought, you know, oh boy, I did it again. And how am I going to make up my budget this month? And, and they thought, well, you know, I'll just take some of the tithe money this week and use that to pay the bill. And, and, and that'll solve the problem. And, and, you know, maybe they begin to wrestle with that and go, well, I wonder what God's going to think. And Ah, no big deal. It's only one. I mean, this doesn't happen all the time. Or maybe someone else in that day added a room onto their house. And and before they realized it, the cost uh, had became more than what they anticipated. And and so they took uh, the some of the money that they were going to give that year to God and so that they would be able to afford the work on the house. Or, or some others in that day uh, experienced financial hardship of some kind. And, and they thought to themselves, you know, God's going to understand. I'm going to use, I'm just not going to give and and I'm going to use that to to help pay the bills. And and I'm sure once in a while in Malachi's day, just like today, someone hit a financial windfall. Maybe uh, they, uh, you know, had a piece of land that appreciated and they sold it. They had a bumper crop or somehow in their business they made a lot of money. And, you know, then they figure out, wow, what what 10% of that is going to be? And go, whoa, no way, you know. You see, in Malachi's day, the standards of of financial excellence had fallen on hard times as many people had stopped giving their offerings to God and to the ministry of of the temple that they were a part of. And uh, and they weren't giving over and above that either to, to minister to the needs of the poor. But then enters God's messenger, Malachi, who God uses to reset the bar, just as we've seen these last weeks, that he has used Malachi to reset the bar in a number of areas of our life. And and this time Malachi starts the discussion with God's people by saying, folks, how do you feel when when someone robs you? Pretty bad, huh? And, and, And you should feel badly when someone robs you because it's a terrible thing to for someone to do that to someone else. And and so you would never rob anybody, would you? You wouldn't rob a friend or a neighbor or even a stranger. And people are like, oh, no, no, we would never do that. Uh, we wouldn't rob anybody. We're constitutionally incapable of such a thing. And, and at that point, Malachi springs the trap. And he says, that's true. You probably don't rob your neighbor. 
or a friend or even a stranger. But, but here's the thing. If you wouldn't mug them, he says to God's people, why would you rob the God who you say you love and serve? If you have the common decency not to rob people, Malachi is saying, what would possess you to rob God by not giving back to him the offering that he's called upon you to give? And, and really, that's quite frankly all his in the first place. I, I mean, let's think about it. It really is all God's money, isn't it? I, I mean, we can't keep it after we die. You never see a trailer attached to a hearse. God's given us this money here while we're on earth to manage. And, and he says, so I want you to give back to me 10% of all I've given to you as a way to show me that, that I have first place in your life. And then you take the other 90%, use it on yourself, take care of your family with it, do the things you need to do in this world, and also be sure that you're helping out with ministries to the poor and to the needy. And Malachi is saying here to God's people that every time we bring less than 10% of our earnings to God, we are robbing him. I mean, that's what he says, plain and simple. And he says what God's people are doing when they do that is unthinkable. And it's got to stop. And the reason why he says that is because he realizes that God has included you and me and all of God's people in his family. I mean, God loves us. He accepts us. He's forgiven us of the stuff that we've done wrong in our life that, that, that has broken our relationship with him. And because he loves us, he's gracious to us and, and, and he's included us in his family. I mean, that's what Malachi is saying there in verses six and seven, when he puts this whole deal in the context of the family, as he talks about their descendants and being part of God's family with their forefathers, what he's doing there is he's raising this discussion to a higher level. It's like the illustration that I heard a pastor use some time ago in a message on this passage. And, and I'm using some of his material here in this message. It's just so good. And, and, and in that message, he, he talked about uh, this illustration. He said, imagine you started a business and, and you built a company up to the point where it became very successful and very profitable. And imagine you've got five kids who who you've provided for all your life. You fed them, you clothed them, you, you gave them a college education, and after they were done with college, they, they, they uh, you know, came to you and said, hey, mom and dad, we would love to come and work with you in the family business. business. Would, you, would you invite us in to do that? And so you look at your children who you dearly love, and you say, hey, who would I rather have uh, come and share my business and, and my profits. I mean, who would I rather have do that than with my kids? Sure, come on in, let's work together. This is going to be great. And then a number of years down the road, some years later, you find out that your company is struggling and, and it's no longer profitable. And you discover that for the last few years, your kids were, were taking money out of it beyond what you were giving them as a salary. They're taking extra money out of the company and putting it into their own bank accounts. How would we feel as a mom and dad if we found out that we were robbed by our own flesh and blood? I mean, that would be a deeper hurt, wouldn't it? Be to, to find out that it was our own family, our own kids who had stolen from us. And that's what Malachi is saying as he puts this whole topic of giving in the context of, of God's family and being part of his family and being part of God's descendants. And, and, and what he's saying is, hey, we're, 
all God's family. We're God's kids. He is our heavenly father. And, and all he's ever done is, is give us what we have in life. He, he's given us our breath and life. He, he's given us our family. He's given us our money and possessions. And most importantly, he's given us a relationship with him whereby we can experience forgiveness for our sin and we can have assurance that one day when we go from this life into the next, we will be with him in heaven. And Malachi would say that all of this, he's given to us as a blessing and all he's asking us to do is to take a tenth of everything he allows us to earn and return it to him as a worship offering, to say, thank you, God, for all that you have blessed my life with. And to remind us that he has first place in our life. And so Malachi is saying to us today, quite plainly, don't steal from God. Do this God's way. And if we will, he says, God's going to bless us in ways we can't even imagine. And this doesn't mean that we're somehow going to get rich but it is saying that God will provide for our needs. Now, now understanding this morning what it is that that God is saying to us through this prophet Malachi, uh, if we're going to do things God's way, I think there's a couple steps you and I need to take. And and I just want to talk about these in the time we have remaining. And if you're filling in the blanks there in the message notes that are in your worship guides, uh, you can put in the first fill in there is the word heart. I think if you and I are going to follow through on on God's money management system that he offers to us and outlines for us in his word, we need to do a heart check. We need to do a heart check. Let me uh, tell you the story uh, and uh, let me illustrate this with a story that that this pastor who I've gotten some of this message from this morning that he he tells and, and and he says this. A while back, I had a conversation with a new Christian a business guy whom I'd helped to lead to Christ some months prior to this. One day he opened his Bible to the book of Malachi and he read Malachi 3, 6 through 12. (laughs) He was so upset about this, he called me and said, what's the deal with this tithing thing? Before I could even answer him, he started asking more questions. Is this for everybody? Is this on the gross or net? Is this retroactive? Because if it is, we're talking some serious money Money had been about the most important thing in his life. His self-esteem was wrapped around it. His sense of power was attached to it. Control of his children was involved with it, which is not a good thing, the pastor said. It had always been his security. And the tithing principle was upsetting to him because it was messing with what had been the true treasure of his life. (laughs) So I said, I'm glad you ran across the tithing passage because it's going to force you to do a heart checkup. I know you well enough to know the grip that money has on you. And we're going to see what you're made of now. We're going to see what your faith is really all about. But but let's put the tithing principle aside for a moment. And tell me first how it was when you met Christ. The guy said, you know how it happened. We had lunch together, and over the lunch table, you drew a picture on a paper napkin showing the difference between trying to earn your way to heaven and receiving grace through what Jesus did on the cross. You described the difference between the performance plan and the grace plan. 
You describe the difference between do, doing things to earn God's favor, and done, resting in what Christ has done on the cross. I remember after that lunch, I put the napkin on my desk at work, and your words in that diagram worked over me all afternoon. And I left work early. I went home. I fell on my knees and I asked what Jesus Christ had done for me on the cross to be applied to the sins in my life. I discovered, he said, amazing grace that day. Then I said, I remember that day too. Because you called me that night and you told me you now understood why people called grace amazing. I'll never forget that night. And he said, I won't either. And then I said, when someone lays down his life for you, when he wipes the slate clean of all your sins, when he invites you into his family, when he secures your eternal destiny in heaven and promises to bless your life between here and there, when he gives you his everything and then asks you to honor him and show him some gratitude with some practical behaviors and commitments, don't you think your heartfelt immediate response ought to be, yes, Lord, whatever you want, just say the word. And then this pastor said, you see, tithing isn't fundamentally about money. It's about the condition of our heart before God. I let my words hang out there on the phone line. This was serious business. This was heart stuff. And then I heard the words on the other end of the line saying, I am so terribly sorry. He was talking more to God than to me. He said, I needed this heart check and I am going to make it right from this day forward. And he did. He did. You know, folks, when when this guy saw the tithing principle against the backdrop of a blood-stained cross, he realized that that Christ ought to be honored no matter the cost. And, you know, I think if, if Malachi was here with us today who are New Testament Christians on this side of the coming of Jesus Christ, I think Malachi would say to us, how, how do we look at the manger? How, how do we look at, at the cross stained with Christ's blood for your forgiveness of sin and mine? How do we look at the resurrection and, and the promise of eternal life in heaven that that gives us? How do we look at all of the blessings that God gives us in life between that time when we come to know Him as Savior and Lord and when we go to be with Him in heaven? How do we look at all that and quibble with giving back to Him what He calls us to give Him? All that He's made possible for us to have in the first place. And you know, after I've been studying Malachi and and looking at this guy and how straightforward he is, i got to say, Malachi is just crusty enough to probably say, what's up with us? What's up with us? Some of us have heart disease. And we need to get it treated. You know, in Matthew 6, Jesus, after talking about storing up treasure in heaven rather than on earth, says this. He says, no one can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other or he'll be devoted to the one and despise the other. 
He says we can't serve both God and money. And, and what Jesus was saying is that there's always going to be this clear winner. You see in this God versus money battle that goes on in your life and in mine as people of this world where money is such an important thing and possessions are important to be able to live and and, and this world in which we live where the advertising industry, especially in our Western American culture, says we've got to have this and we've got to have that in order to be filled. And, and, and Jesus is saying we can't serve both. He, now, he, he's not saying all this other stuff is bad. It's good. He's given it to us as a blessing. But, but what he's saying is, is what's going to have and who's going to have first place in your life and mine. And, and that's what Malachi's saying today too, isn't it? He's saying, who's going to be the clear winner in this God versus money battle that goes on in your life and mine? In fact, I think Malachi would say that this command by God to tithe from our earnings really calls our bluff. It kind of smokes out the winner, doesn't it, in this God versus money battle, no matter how much we appear to others to be a holy person. There's another story that I heard a pastor tell one time about how, how a number of years ago he was doing membership interviews with his elder board in the church that they were in. And, and one of the people that came to the church wanting to become a member, uh, they were interviewing. And as they began interviewing him, they were talking. Uh, this guy brought up the subject of money. And, and, uh, and so the elders shared with them these principles of God's word. And, and, and this guy, you know what he said? <laughs> he said, no way. No way am I going to do that. He said, you know, I, I, what I make is mine and, and, and you guys and, and you, you know, this church just aren't going to meddle around. And, 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 you know, the pastor very gently and lovingly said, hey, wait a minute. You know, this is, this is not about us. This is about you. And, and, I, and you need to do a heart check because, you see, this is about you standing in the shadow of a cross. And the guy said, no way. And the pastor said the next time the congregation gathered for worship, they were all singing this hymn, I surrender all. All to Jesus, I surrender. All to him I gladly bring. And he said it was amazing to watch this guy lift up his hands and praise to God and sing that to the top of his voice. When all the while he was stubbornly refusing to do simply the the barest minimum that God was asking him to do to honor him with a tenth of his earnings. You know, I got to say, I I don't know what you give. I don't want to know what you give. Um, It's not my business, really, what you give. I don't see your giving and and you don't see mine. But, But, you know, God sees your giving and my giving every day. And I got to think that if Malachi was here today, he'd say, hey, just like he's been saying all along, as we've seen in past weeks, don't come into God's house and, and think it's business as usual. If we're not willing to surrender this area of our lives to him as well and live according to the standards that he asks us to live by. Malachi would say, we need to do a heart check. Because when we give against the backdrop of a blood-stained cross, we give differently. We give with a different attitude. We don't give begrudgingly, you know, going, oh, i got to give. But instead we give saying, thank you, Jesus, for what you have given to me, for my life, my breath, my family, 
And most of all, your grace. Thank you. I give to you because I genuinely want to honor you and say you have first place in my life. And you know, once we've done that heart check, I think if we really want to do things God's way, then you and I have got to take a second step that I just want to briefly talk about before we close. And that is to say, I think we need to do a faith check. And, and what I'm talking about here is, is taking that step of faith to make sure that we're honoring God with our resources and all he's given us. You see, if you and I want to really get on board with God's system of money management practices, what it's going to take is we've got to, in faith, sit down with a calculator, figure it all out, figure out our sources of income and figure out what represents the tithe. And, 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 and I don't know about you, but I know for me, it's hard. It, it takes sometimes some real guts. It takes character. It takes follow through. It takes discipline. But most of all, I think it takes faith. It takes faith to trust God that, that his promise is real. And, and it takes faith to, to build these kinds of systems into our personal money management system so that it, it becomes an automatic thing to do. But you know, God is asking us today to go home and, and, and do that heart check and, and do that faith check. I, you know, I, I know that we, I mean, this is a church that it's amazing how we give and so many people are faithful. But as we come across this passage of Scripture in our study of Malachi, God is asking us again. Let's go home and let Him do business with us. And in Proverbs 3.9, as we take that faith check, the Bible says, Honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all your crops. And, and what the Bible is saying here is it's using an agricultural metaphor to, to help us understand that, that what God is wanting us to do is out of thankfulness and gratefulness to give to Him first. It's the idea of, of a farmer taking the very first part of the harvest back in Malachi's day and, and bringing it to the temple and giving it to God as a symbolic way of saying, God, you have first place in my life. And I love you and I honor you. And so I give to you first. And similarly for us today, it would be us saying, God, you have first place in my life. Thank you for my life and breath and health and energy and and intellect, and talents, and, and all that I have. And, and most of all, God, thank you for your grace and forgiveness of sin. Thank you for the relationship that you've given to me with you. And thank you for your work in my life that transforms my life from that moment when I become a believer and trust you in faith to that moment when I see you face to face in heaven for eternity. You know, folks, you and I are in the upper 10 to 20% of the world's population as far as, as wealth goes. We are blessed way more than many others. And yet what God says to us is that if we will follow through on these principles, he says, watch out, watch out. You know what he says? He says, I'm going to bless your socks off. Look at verses 10 through 12 again. He says, bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I won't throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that you will not have room enough for it. I'll prevent pests from devouring your crops and the vines in your fields will not cast their fruit, says the Lord Almighty. And then all the nations will call you blessed for yours will be a delightful land. 
Do you realize today that this is the only place in all of the scripture where God says, hey, test me on this one. Test me and see if I won't prove it to you. Now, I got to say to you, that does not mean that today, you know, after the Super Bowl game is over, that that guy or that woman is going to ring your doorbell, you know, from the publisher's clearinghouse sweepstakes and tell you you've won the million dollars. Okay? Uh, it doesn't mean that we're suddenly going to get richer because let's face it, folks, we may not be Bill Gates, but, but according to the rest of the world uh, and by their standards, we are fabulously rich. It, it doesn't mean that we're necessarily going to get richer. But it does mean that God will bless our life. And he will provide for us. And he will take care of what it is that we need. I will open the floodgates of heaven, he says, and I will pour out on you a blessing, a blessing on your life. And God will fulfill his promise. You know, as a teenager, very early on, my dad instilled these principles into me and And out of a love for the Lord, I began to give to God a part of what He had given to me. And as we got married, Vanessa and I, early on in our marriage, as we walked into marriage, said, hey, we're going to be faithful in this area of our life. And I got to tell you, there were times when in seminary we didn't have any more food in the house. And we left for classes that day. We left for work that day. We wondered where that next meal was going to come from. And I got to tell you, time and again, God provided. I, I could tell you some unbelievable stories of the way God provided for us. And I know that some of you here this morning could parade up here and you could, if we had you come up one by one and, and share your stories, many of you could say the same thing. God is saying to us today through Malachi, take me up on this promise and see if I won't bless you and prove faithful. Several years ago, I heard about a guy who got into a discussion one day over lunch with his pastor and they were talking about growing and his relationship with God and the issue of money management came up. And, and, and during that discussion over lunch, the pastor invited this guy to, to do a heart check, to do a faith check. And he invited him to go home and read this passage from Malachi. And a while later, this guy called his pastor and he said, you know, I'm going to start tithing. It's going to take some rearranging of my finances and And it's going to take some rearranging of how I spend my money, but but I'm going to do it. And you know what the pastor said to him? He said, hey, how do you feel? How do you feel about that? You know what the guy's response was? He said, I feel really clean. I feel really clean. I realize I've been robbing God every month the whole time I've been a Christian. And now I feel clean. And the pastor said to him, that is so great. Good for you. I'm glad you made that choice. He said, because it's not for me, but it's because it's for you. And your friends, I, I want to say to you as a pastor of this church, this isn't an issue about us as pastors. This isn't an issue about us as a church. But this is really about you and it's really about me in the shadow of a blood-stained cross. This is about you and me giving our best To him, because he gave his best for us. This is about us saying, God, after all you have done for me, there isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. God, I surrender all.